as we are continuing in Haggai, uh, and we look at his second message to the people of Judah, really a good title for Haggai's second message in, in this second chapter would be, uh, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. And we saw last week that God really, through Haggai, called his people out. He exposed some of their hypocrisy where he had miraculously led them back to Israel for the purpose of them rebuilding the temple and establishing the center of worship, really rebuilding their heart back to the Lord is what the purpose of that was. It went far beyond a building. It went far beyond a temple. God is never so concerned with a temple as he is what's going on in the heart. And so he wanted his people to rally together and to be united and to to come back to the true and authentic form of worship that he had set down for them. But they gave all these excuses. They said, oh, it, it must not be the right time. We must have rushed ahead of God's timing because look at the circumstances. What started off on a good note has come to a screeching halt. We don't have the provisions that we had. and We're getting opposed by the people around us. And, and things are just not going the way we want them to. So uh, I guess God's just not in it. So instead, they started building up their own houses. And they made these beautiful cedar-paneled homes and built up their own way of life. And God said, hold on a second. You're telling me that you're justifying the fact that it's not time to build my house, the house of, of worship that I've instructed you to build, that I brought you back to build, that I miraculously turned the heart of a pagan king to let you do that, and, and yet you're saying it's not time? Oh, but, but it's time to build your own houses, huh? I don't think so. And so God calls them out on that. And he, he got a hold of them, and they responded, and they repented, and they started the work. And here in, in this message, this second message, uh, it's given about a month after uh, the message that we saw in chapter 1. And the main challenge from Haggai this time around, kind of the big idea, was choose to reject a negative mindset. That's really what the, the thrust of his message was. That's what he wanted the people and what God wanted his people through Haggai to hear and to heed, choose to reject a negative mindset. And that's certainly always relevant to us, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> that's very applicable uh, no matter who you are or where you're at. Uh, I, I know personally for me it is. Um, I naturally, humanly speaking, tend to be the, the glass half empty kind of person. Um, sometimes my wife calls me Puddle Glum, for those of you who know Narnia and the, the character Puddle Glum. For those of you who don't, just insert Eeyore. And that's, that's how I can be a lot of the time. That's just humanly, naturally kind of my, my disposition a lot of the time. But the thing is that we all need to understand and agree with is that it's a choice. Our outlook and our perspective and our mindset and our attitude, it's always a choice. We can choose. Leanne, as a fifth grade teacher, is always telling her students, choose your weather. That means when they're grumbling and complaining and whining and fussing and, and whatever else fifth grade students do, uh, she says, choose your weather. In other words, hey, you can determine how you're looking at this. What's your outlook like right now? Evaluate that and then choose to have a different one. 
And uh, that's really kind of the idea of, of what Haggai was trying to express to the people. Because, as you remember from the last chapter, they started rebuilding. Yay! They were doing what they were supposed to. Hallelujah! But it didn't take long. And as we see here in just a minute, um, the morale was already on the decline. The morale was declining and attitudes were dipping and discouragement was setting in. And so Haggai came back a second time and he says, hey, it's really great that you started rebuilding finally. It's about time. And that was good. But now you're already down. So let me try to pick you back up. Let me try to bring you back to the right perspective. The first chapter was all about priorities. This chapter and this message, it's all about perspective. And you can choose to have the right mindset. So with all that... Being said, let's look together in the book of Haggai again, chapter 2, and here's what the text says. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, and here's what the word was. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, to the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and to the remnant of the people. And here's the message that he, he had him express. It's a question. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Remember, this was the temple Solomon built in all of its splendor. It was one of the wonders of the world at the time. People came from all over to to see it and to marvel at it and, and to hear from Solomon and his wisdom. And then it was destroyed. It was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And so the question is, This is now 70-some years past when that happened. And so the question is, who among you is left that that saw this house in its former glory? Now, there would have been some, not many. There would have been a few older people who were little children at the time of the original temple and who would have remembered it. And certainly, if they didn't remember it fully, they would have remembered hearing about it from their parents and their grandparents. And and other people would have heard about the fame and splendor and glory of the temple. So it had this great reputation. And so so God says, um, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Doesn't it seem to you like nothing by comparison. So God says, hey, I know what you're thinking. I know how you're looking at this. I know your attitude right now. I know your perspective. I know what your mindset about this is. You're saying, hey, this, this is nothing compared to the former temple. And what we don't see written right in, in the text, and certainly not in, in our English version, what doesn't carry over is that God actually was kind of agreeing with them on this. It was basically him saying, you know what? Compared to the old temple, the previous one, you're right. This isn't really much compared to that. Um, the, the old temple was, no question, greater and bigger and, and more beautiful and more splendid than this is going to be. Um, they probably at this point had, had just had kind of the, the shell of the temple up. They had already had the altar. That was done by Ezra 18 years earlier. They already uh, they had the altar, and they already had some of the, the, the foundation laid. Now they probably had the shell of the building, so they knew what it was going to look like. Uh, they had made a lot of good progress. It wasn't finished yet, but it was starting to look like it was going to be. And so what happens is, apparently, um, 
the people were coming around and they were looking at it and there had already been some festivals. They already had the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. They already had the, the Feast of Tabernacles was taking place right around this time. So they probably were using what was at least constructed at this point of the new temple. And as they're coming in, the people are coming in, they're seeing it, they're checking it out. Um, apparently, just like they did 18 years earlier when, when Ezra came and they built the altar and the foundation and older people were making discouraging comparisons with Solomon's temple, apparently that was going on again. These people are saying things like, oh, wow, this, man, this is, this is nothing like what we had. You call this a temple? You call this a temple? You think this is good? You should have seen the temple we had back in the day. Oh, to be back in the good old days. They don't build them like this in Babylon. You know, whatever was actually said, all the negativity that was apparently coming against the workers and against Zerubbabel, the leader, and and Joshua, the priest, all that would have hit all those faithful, hardworking people like a ton of bricks. Get it? Ah, dad joke. Sorry, couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. But the the point is, is there that it would have been discouraging. It would have been defeating. Think about it. You're putting all this time and attention. You're putting all this energy in. You're working hard. You're trying to do what God has called you to do. You're, You're motivated. And then people say, and this is the best you can come up with? This is how, what you've been working so hard for? This? Really? And so they're defeated now, and they're discouraged, and, and they're probably saying, what's the point of even going any, any for, further with this? What's the point? They're right. This is the best we can come up with, and it doesn't even come close to the previous thing that I was part of or that I saw. Man, God, God was at work then, but maybe he's just not as much at work now. You ever thought that? You ever felt that way? Like... Not just about you know the good old days being the good old days, but maybe like, wow, back then God was really at work in my life. Or back then I really had a sense of purpose in what God wanted me to do. Now, not so much. I guess, I guess he's just not as much interested in using me now as he was then. I guess he's just not as active in my life or through my life as he was then. Ever had that thought, that feeling? It's... Man, that's a tough place to be. That's a, that's a really rough thought and a rough feeling. And you get the sense that's where the people are here. All the people. Including Zerubbabel, who is the leader of the people. Including Joshua, the high priest who, who serves definitely as the spiritual leadership of the people. And the, the people with them. They're just, they're down. You know? They, they already were disinterested previously. They got interested. They got motivated. They're in this thing. But the lack of progress and certainly the lack of comparison with what was, it just didn't seem to be there. And they needed a perspective shift. They needed a perspective shift. Because really, it's better to begin small than not at all. Right? Don't you think? 
It's better to begin small than not at all. And that certainly applies when it comes to the work of God. As we define small or or big, we need to kind of separate from that and say, maybe the work that I'm doing is small by comparison to other things. Maybe the work I I am in, in involved in and part of and what God has called me to by comparison humanly to other things. Yeah, maybe it's not as significant as other things are, but it's still an important work and I'm called to do it. And it's better to begin small than just to sit back and do nothing. That's the perspective that they needed to keep in mind. And it's good for all of us to keep in mind. And and let me just encourage you, church, you who, who faithfully serve here and give to the work here by, by finances and by time and by talent. You, you people here who really own the kingdom work that's being done right here at Faith Baptist Church, let me just tell you, thank you. Thank you. And let me just tell you this too. Keep going. Keep it up. Keep going forward. Don't give up. Don't, don't be discouraged. And I say that to you, and I say that to myself too, because you've all heard the uh, the old kind of joke statement that uh, pastors resign every Monday, right? Um, well, that that's kind of half true. Um, man, we we can get discouraged. Let me tell you, pretty easily, and and maybe you don't always see it, uh, and we we sometimes do a pretty good job of hiding that. Sometimes, <laughs> ask our families; we don't hide it from them, though. And uh, it can get tough, and I, I know that. And I, so I, I identify with your struggle of remaining encouraged and looking around and seeing things not quite the way that maybe you, you, uh, you think that they should be or, or hope that they are or you desire them to be. And, and maybe you, know, you wish that you could do more for God or that we together could do more for God or that, that things could be farther along than they are or whatever. Uh, it's hard, I know, to remain encouraged, but let me just... Just encourage you to do that. Keep going. Keep owning the work here. Keep being faithful to what God has called you to do. Keep being faithful to where God has placed you, which is here. If you're here as part of this church, it is not by accident. It is not by coincidence. It is by the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so own that and be encouraged by that. And I just also want to encourage everyone to guard against unhelpful comparisons either to the past, to the good old days, or to other people around you as you look at others and see all their gifts and talents and resources and everything, or to other ministries. You say, man, what would it be like to be in that church? Or why can't we be like that church over here or that church over there? And again, speaking to myself here, because that's another thing that we pastors can do pretty easily, you know. But I, I just want to encourage everyone, guard against unhelpful comparisons. There are some people that that I would just about guarantee you know God has been impressing on you for a long time to jump into the ministry here more than you are. To, to actually use your talents and gifts in a very specific way, in a specific area, to build up the body here, to reach out into the community out there, and you've fought it, and you've resisted it, and you haven't done it. And maybe a big part of the reason is because of those comparisons. Maybe you're comparing yourself to these other people who you see serving and you say to yourself in your mind or you believe the lie of the enemy whispering into your ear, well, I'm not as good as so-and-so. 
man, I'm not anywhere near as talented as they are, so I'm just going to let them roll with it. But that's not what God has for you. That's not his plan for the church. His plan is to use every single one of us which has been uniquely gifted in areas that the other people next to us do not have. And so by you not plugging in, the body is suffering. Or maybe you're comparing the idea of ministry to previous ministry that you had when you were hurt or when you got burned or when you were burned out and from that you've been content to just continue on in that sedimentary state because of what was. But my friend, if that's the case, if if that describes anyone, my word to you is this, get over it. (laughs) Get over it. Yeah. Because God is calling you from that. That's the past. You're in the present. God has something for you to do and to be and to own right here and now and to use you in the future. So we've got to keep moving beyond what was. And lastly, I would just encourage anyone who is just, you know, standing on the sidelines and being spectators um, for really no good reason, just spiritual apathy, spiritual laziness, uh, if you are in Christ, if you are a, a believer and a follower of Christ, then jump in and engage with his body, which you are part of, and with what's going on and what's needed in building his kingdom. That's the word that really is coming to these people here. It's the word that we all need to hear and be reminded of, myself included. Okay, We need to be rem- remembering uh, the priority and the perspective that God has for us, and we need to jump into that. So, with all of that as kind of the backdrop, here's what uh, what God has to say as He's as He's called them out on on their attitude and where their mindset and where their perspective is. Which He says, "Hey, I, I know exactly what's going on in your heart and with in your mind, and here's what I want to say to you." Verse four, He says this: "Even so, so in other words." Yeah, the the building may not be the same. The temple isn't going to be exactly like Solomon's temple. And I know it's a little discouraging to you, and and I get that. But here's what I want to say. Even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. This is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work. For I am with you, the declaration of the Lord of armies. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. So in this section, after God says, hey, I know what's going on in your mind and your heart. I know the comparisons you're making between this temple and the old temple. Yeah, I know it's a little bit of a letdown. But in this section, God gives them a command, and the command is, be strong. Be strong. Why would be the next question. Why? Why be strong when, when all that we are working for is obviously not good enough? Why should we be strong when, when we're getting opposed from people around us? Why be strong when our provisions are, are running out? Why be strong when we can't even keep ourselves encouraged, let alone the people around us? Why be strong? What is there to be strong about? And and okay, so we should be strong. God, all right, I hear you, but how? How are we supposed to be strong? We don't have anything left in the tank. 
Be strong? How? The answer, the answer that isn't spelled out here, but is definitely inferred in what God says, the answer is because of the undeniable examples of God's power and faithfulness all throughout their history. Long ago and recently, long ago in Egypt and bringing them out of, the, out of Egypt and, and the way he provided for and cared for them and helped them through the wilderness and recently in, in helping them come from Babylon back to Judah. There's, there's just example after example all throughout their history that showed God's power and his faithfulness and his goodness and his grace. And my friends, the same is true for us. You don't have to look very far in the story of your life to see God's faithfulness on display and to see his power at work on your behalf. See, looking back at God's perfect track record, and that's what it is, it's a perfect track record. Looking back at God's perfect track record of faithfulness and goodness and provision and knowing that he never changes, all of that should Fuel. It should fuel and motivate our faith in Him. And it should fuel and motivate our faithfulness to Him. See, we, we can trust in Him and we can have faith in Him and we can rest in Him and we can be encouraged by Him and we can faithfully serve Him all because of His faithfulness to us. And all because no matter what changes around us, He will always be the, the only never-changing one. Isn't that good news for you today? That no matter how life changes and alters around you, no matter who changes around you, that there is one source of just constancy. It's God. And we can look at that and remember that as we look back on all that He's done in our lives. And that's motivation. That's motivation to, to be strong and to be faithful to him. But, but we see in these verses that God didn't just give them a command. He also provided a promise. He didn't just give them a command. He also provided a promise. And the promise was there in verse 5. And this is what the promise was. I am with you. My spirit is present among you. I am with you. That's how you can be strong, guys. That's why you can be strong. Because I am with you and my spirit is present among you. And literally, literally when he said that, that was saying this. My spirit stands constantly among you like a soldier on guard. My, my spirit stands constantly in front of you and, and among you and beside you and behind you like a soldier on guard duty, just like he did in the wilderness after they left Egypt. Remember the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that never left the camp would go before them and go behind them? God's saying, hey, you've heard about what I did. You've heard all the stories, all the people that came before you, all your family, they, they passed that down, what I did in the wilderness, and the same is true for you now. I haven't changed, haven't gone anywhere. I am right there among you. I'm holding you up. I have your best interest at heart. I have your good in my hand, and I am with you, and I am for you. Be strong because of that. 
It is so important. Just as it was so important for them, it is so important for us, believer. Today, church, it is so important to notice and to keep in mind that our God never just says, be strong, and then leaves it at that. I want you to be strong and go figure out how to do that. It's never what he does. All through the Bible, and for us today, along with the command to be strong, there will always be the promise with that that God is with us. And that is good news. He will never just say, hey, be strong. That's what I want you to do. He'll always come up and say, and and I, I want you to know the way you can be strong is by anchoring yourself to me, by rooting yourself in me, by resting on me, because I'm with you. I'm with you. And that, my friends, wow, that is the deepest source of encouragement any of us can be given. It's a beautiful, powerful promise and revelation of God Himself, of His character, that sadly only really gets focused on and emphasized at Christmas. Right? Emmanuel. We, we talk about that all season long around Christmas time and we sing it. But the thing we need to remember is that is always who God is. He is always Emmanuel. He is always God with us. If you're a child of God through Christ, you have the indwelling Spirit of God, literally indwelling you. You always have Emmanuel available to you. It's a constant anchor and foundation and source of strength that everyone in Christ has available to them. And that's what gives us the power to obey the command to be strong. That's what gives us the power to keep going and not to give up. That's the power that we need to fight against discouragement that comes at us so much of the time, so hard, within and and outside of ourselves. Discouragement, it's, it's just constantly coming at us. And the power that we need to fight against that is found in, in this promise. God is with us, standing strong in front of us, guarding our minds and our hearts and our work. And so what that means for us, put simply, is the antidote to discouragement is reflection on God's faithfulness. The antidote to discouragement is reflection on God's faithfulness. And I have to add, that same antidote for discouragement is also the ammunition uh, that we need to use against the spiritual apathy that we can be so easily uh, guilty of. You know, just being spiritually lazy, spiritually apathetic. That same concept, that, that reflecting on God's faithfulness, that's also the ammunition to fight against that. Because when we remember how God has been faithful to us in the past and how faithful He's been, then we find motivation to faithfully serve Him in the present and to trust Him for the future, which is unknown to us. And it's always scary. It it works for both. We find motivation to faithfully serve Him in the present and to trust Him in the future as we think about and remember and recall how faithful He has always been to us. And that's what God brings His people to in the next few verses. He talks to them about the present. Get up, keep going, don't give up, 
be at work, go to work, be strong, I'm with you. But it's not just about the present. Here's what the next few verses say, verse 6. For the Lord of armies says this, Once more, in a little while, and a little while is to him as he sees it, his perspective there, in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver and gold belong to me. In other words, all the people's wealth in every age, it all belongs to me. It's all mine. And anything anyone has is because I give it to them. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. Verse 9, the final glory of this house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of armies. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. What God was doing here is he was calling his people to look beyond the local and look beyond the here and the now. He was saying, I want you to look beyond the the, the poor example of the temple compared to the previous temple that you're just so hung up on. Look past it. And I, I want to tell you about a day, which to me is a little while, where I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, and I'm going to bring such wealth and treasure into this house that it will eclipse the, the wealth and the treasure of Solomon's temple, which is saying a lot because there was nothing like Solomon's temple. And literally people from all over the world brought tribute into the temple and the house of God. You can read about that in, in, uh, in 2 Kings and in Chronicles. I mean, it, in, it's just incredible uh, what happened there in the temple of Solomon's day. But God is saying, as great as that was, I'm going to eclipse it. I'm going to bring all the silver and the gold and all the people treasure into this house one day. And I'm going to fill it with glory and I'm going to bring about peace. But here's the thing. He wasn't talking about Zerubbabel's temple. He wasn't referring to that. He wasn't referring in the future even to Herod's temple, which was a rebuild of the rebuild, where Herod remodeled Zerubbabel's temple, made it even more impressive. He wasn't even referring to that. What God is referring to is far off into the future to what we refer to as the millennial kingdom. And God was saying, I'm going to peel back the curtains a little bit, and you're not going to understand it fully, but I want you to understand, I have something planned that to me is just a little while off, where I'm going to shake everything that is known, I'm going to shake the status quo, and I'm going to bring in glory into this house that no one has ever seen or heard of, and I'm going to bring in peace and prosperity from this place that will literally go to all the world. Why? Because Emmanuel will be reigning and ruling among people. There will be, finally, a dictatorship that works. There will be a totalitarian government that actually is good. It's when King Jesus reigns and rules the entire earth. And that day is coming. It's fact. And God was saying... That's what's coming down the road. And so, keep going. Don't lose heart. Have an eternal perspective. Have a mindset that goes beyond the here and the now. And understand, what I'm starting here will have ramifications and implications far beyond you, all the way into future time and beyond into eternity. I will always be at work, and I'm using you as a part of my plan. 
That's what God was saying to his people. So be encouraged. Be be strong. Rise up. Do the work. See, it's all about perspective. It's about seeing the big picture when God graciously reveals that to us, like he did to his people here. And when we can't see it, when he doesn't reveal all that to us, it's about choosing to know and trust that God has a big plan, which includes the here and now, but that goes way beyond just the present and way beyond ourselves. See, God sees all of time laid out as a tapestry before Him. And all the details and events and circumstances that we experience as we go through life and time are like threads of that tapestry which God masterfully orders and weaves and and fits together to accomplish His perfect purposes and to display a beautiful picture of His glory and sovereignty and perfection. God is always at work. And the most amazing part of all that, believer, the most amazing part of all that is that He actually calls us to come and be part of His program and plan. That's the most amazing thing of it all. That that as He's weaving all this together, He invites us to come and be part of it. And part of the instruments He uses to accomplish His purpose. What a privilege. So what that means for us today, as it meant for the people here in Judah that originally heard this, with a promise the power of God's constant presence, is there really any room for discouragement or fear or laziness or apathy, either for the people of Judah or for us? Is there any room for all that? The only logical, reasonable answer is a resounding no. No, there's not. Because I have a God who is bigger than anything and anyone whose plan is not altered or affected by anything that happens on earth or or in my life. I have a God that's bigger than me, who holds me up, who goes before me, who is for me, who is with me, and I can be strong and I can be at work knowing He is at work with me and through me and in all that I am doing. We need to remember this. We need to Recall it. We need to constantly ask the Holy Spirit to help us remember it, to recall it to our minds, and, and, and to refill our hearts uh, with this truth. We need to ask Him to help us apply it to our, our attitudes and our actions, to be people who believe in Emmanuel. Let's pray. I hope you are encouraged this morning, believer, as you heard the Word of God in this way. I hope hope that it was something that was applicable and relevant to your heart. I trust that it was because the, the promise of God is He never lets His Word go out from Him and returns to Him void, that it will always accomplish the purpose wherewith He sends it. I believe that promise, and I hope you do too. And I hope you're encouraged today to keep going, to not give up. If you have given up, to get back in the the game and in the fight and in the work, to rise up and build. I pray that's true of you. But I also want to say this. If if there's someone here today that's heard this message 
and, and you've said, you know what, man, I'd like to be strong. I'd like to know what it is to really be strong and to keep going forward and not get weighed down and discouraged. The thing you've got to understand is to have access to the strength that we're talking about this morning. To have access to Emmanuel. To know his strength for yourself in your own life personally. You have to know him personally. To have his strength in your life personally, you have to know him personally. You have to have a relationship with Emmanuel, which is Jesus Christ. He is Emmanuel. And if there's never been a a time in your life where you have surrendered everything you are to him, asking him to take the reins of your life, to take the driver's seat, to be your Lord and your Savior, you're never going to know the encouragement and the strength that the the people of Judah were challenged with, that we have been challenged with today, that is available to us in Christ. You're never going to know it apart from Him. And if there's anyone that would say, yeah, that's me, I've never actually committed my life to Jesus Christ, but I want to, I would love to pray for you in that way, and I'd also love to be available to talk with you further one-on-one. Is there anyone who would say, yeah, Pastor, that's me, you just described me? never committed my life to Christ, but I believe what you said. I believe that I'm not going to have this kind of strength and hope and encouragement in life apart from him. I want him to be my Savior and my Lord. Pray for me, would you? Is that anybody at all? Is there anybody who would say, yeah, that's me? Okay, let me pray for you, and then we'll close out by worshiping our great God, okay? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this section of your word that written so long ago to a very specific people in a very specific time, is still so relevant and applicable to us. Thank you that we have the ability to, like them, choose to neglect a negative mindset. We can choose to be encouraged. We can choose to be strong. We can choose to fight against discouragement. We can choose to have the big picture view of all that you're doing, knowing that that right here is not it. That all that we're going through in life and experiencing is not the end of the story. That you will always be at work. And you have a day coming where you will shake the heavens and the earth. And where all the people of the earth will come to give glory and honor to you, to your son. And he will have a a perfect, literal, physical reign on earth. Where peace will go forth from him. What a day that will be. But Father, in the here and now, before that day comes, help us please to be people of courage, people of strength, people who are at work in the work you've called us to do. And I pray if there is anyone here who has not yet committed their whole person to the person of your Son, trusting in His work on their behalf, may today be the day of surrender. May today be the day of salvation. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.